Hello everyone, welcome back to another Fireside Chat. This is our Fireside Chat 33. And uh, today, like just last minute, we decided to go live, right? So we were talking and said, hey, should we go live? It's just a switch here. Should I press the go live button, yes or no? And we decided to stream live. Uh, so, so it was a very last minute decision. And, and the topic for today uh, was inspired by a conversation that we were having uh, internally with uh, Adrian Perrault, uh, Jose, self says. Adrian Perreau de Pini. This is a Adrian good friend Pereo of ours. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good friend of ours. And basically, we were discussing internally the topic from our previous uh, fireside chat when we talked about an internal academy. And as we were discussing of creating an internal academy, so why do we want to create an internal academy? Well, because we want people to behave in a certain way or to have certain skills. And so basically, ultimately, what we were trying to define internally is what is to be a professional. And Adrian used a, a term that it, it really made us think. Uh, he mentioned that he used the term like minimum viable professional. And they said, wow, you know what? That sounds a great topic for us to discuss. And we still haven't uh, discussed that among ourselves, so we are going to see that live right now. We will be making it up as we go along, as always. Uh, but like before we start, as always, like if you like those chats, if you really like what we are doing uh, and want to know to be notified when we actually do those things, subscribe to the channel. You might be notified that we are live, right? So God knows, <laughs> right? So, but yeah, subscribe and to the channel. Yeah. And and we have the chat over. Uh, so what you're writing there, it may have some delay, but we will be able to see it. So if you want to interact as well, that will be that will be fine as well. Exactly. So so basically, like the the, the question here is like, how do we define the minimum viable professional? And maybe just to get, to get us uh, started, why don't we start from before we even talk about the minimum viable professional? Why don't we start like, what is a professional? Like, how, how do we the scope, like they find a scope in here, like let us go with the prof a professional definition, let's say. Uh, how, who do you, who wants to start? I, I can start. Mash. It's one of our. Mash is good at definitions. I, I like <laughs> definitions. I like definitions. In fact, it reminds me because uh, it's one of our values, don't you know? Professional. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, um, it is. Uh, a while back, I was writing on our wiki what, what these values mean to us. And uh, professional, professionalism is the first one, in fact. And uh, I remember thinking, thinking a bit about it. And I, I think what the, the, the way that I would personally define professionalism is about consistently um, achieving excellence or excellent outcomes. Right, so there is there is a consistency about it, predictability about it that we will always achieve. A professional achieves excellence results, right? They're 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 set to do whatever they do, and they do that, and they are consistently achieving good results. And I think there are, and you can kind of further define it. What, if professionalism encompasses the outcomes, um, it encompasses the way that we work. Uh, so the work itself. And, and their attitude towards that work, right? So this kind of the whole craftsmanship aspect really dovetails very nicely into it. So, so that's how I define professionalism. Yeah. What about you, Jose? Um, I think there's an aspect as well of uh, getting paid for it. Yeah, but because that kind of, you know, a lot of people think 
of it like they between a hobby and you know professionalizing it is like you actually getting paid to achieve those results so that that for me should also be part of that definition um and there is something i don't know how to define it but it is something around the profession itself it needs to be something that people recognize as a profession right i don't know if if you know uh, what i mean like there needs to be some sort of uh, attributes associated with doing that job that people can see or or relate to uh, because it's also a matter of perception for me. You know, it's it's not just how you feel. Oh, I'm, I feel like I'm delivering the results or whatever. No, but uh, it is also how people see uh, you as representing that image of what they think the profession is. I don't know if, if that makes sense. Uh, it, it makes sense because like I actually covered that like professionalism is also one of the words that I chose as a subtitle for my book. Right. So and, and I tackle exactly this point, Jose, that is for me is important is uh, it, it's is your profession becomes part of who you are. Right. So and I'll give you an example. Like sometimes you ask people, hey, what do you do? And you can answer those questions in two different ways. You can say, I'm a doctor. Or you can say, I work in a specific hospital. So, so one thing is to say, when you answer that question, say, I work in that place. Or another one is to say, I am certain things. And, and, and of course, that like, uh, sometimes you can do both, right? So, but, but quite often, like, uh, the, your profession becomes part of who you are. It's not something that you divide. For example, I always talk about that, like, oh, I have a pers personal life and I have a professional life. I don't, I, I, I don't like that division of personal life, professional life. I like to so say, look, this is one life. And, and in my life, there are many things that I do and that I enjoy doing, uh, staying with my family, but also doing the work that I do. And that is, for me, the, the more personal relationship, let's say, with the profession. But there is a, the, the, the definition, like the aspect is people say like, you are paid to do a job in a way, like you can be called a professional. And that is true. But like, I believe that the, the, the theme that we are using here is more associated to what Mesh was describing is uh, not only just being paid, although it's certainly part of it, but it's that feeling that you are dealing with a professional or a service is being uh, done professionally. Right, I think that's this cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is this is what when I when I talked about it's about consistently achieving good results, right? So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in those you know two three sentences that I said earlier, right? So, consistently achieving good results, consistency is the key, right? Because it's about trust. Your client, your the person or the organization paying for your work, you know, is expecting there's an expectation of an excellent service. And beyond the expectation, they expect to be even delighted, right? Because they are dealing with a professional, right? So, so the outcome is is key that you know you are achieving consistently achieving good uh, outcomes for your for whoever you are you are working for, and then outcome. But then you kind of unpack into that as well, because it's not just what's done, but it's also how it's done. It's the craftsmanship kind of uh, mantra, right? That is the work itself. Your, mm -hmm. So the work itself, the way you carry out that work, 
is also about being professional, right? So, you know, you take examples of, you know, a plumber comes, comes into your house. You can behave in a professional way and fix your tap or not behave in a professional way and still fix your tap. And mm -hmm. still do a really good job of fixing the tap itself. But that plumber can also come in and, you know, they can put some protective gear around their shoes and not, not dirty your floors. And they can, they can make sure that everything is nice and tidy before and after. And at every moment, they're not creating too much of a fuss. And they are, they are providing you with the right level of um, uh, feedback and communication so that you're always felt at ease. And this is about the work itself, right? And then the attitude to that work. It's about your personal feelings. It's how you got to that point, right? It's how you learned, how you practice your profession. And what you, and this then comes to your, the identity as well. I think when you are said, talking about, I am this, or uh, I work as this, yeah. it's about That's identity. What it, 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 exactly. It's about identity and, and, and adopting the traits of the profession, like things like what you mentioned, the how you do things, no, how you present yourself and so on. So those things are also there. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So all these things matter. And I think that's why, you know, professionalism is a key word that we use in craftsmanship circles, right? And you said it's, it's on the title of your book because it's actually, it in a way encompasses what we do. Mm -hmm. I like to like uh, what, what we could discuss, for example, what are the, the kind of behaviors you already, we could follow that thread mesh because you already mentioned a few behaviors that you, you would recognize uh, from a professional. I would like to pick on uh, one of the ones that you mentioned, expand a bit. But I like this idea, that the, the separation that you made, uh, for example, different people can get the job done. But then, as, as you mentioned, like how it's done is as important uh, as getting it done, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it is that the way that you do things that is also important, not only the end result. Of course, you need the end result. But how you get there is, is what distinguishes normally good professionals from bad professionals. And, and one of the aspects, uh, I would like to talk about the mastery side and the technical side of doing the job well. But I think that one topic that you mentioned, Mesh, that really has an impact in recognizing professionals is how they interact with the, the people paying for that service, right? So you gave the, the example of the plumber. Uh, someone can say, like, what is wrong? Bang, done, job done, and it's out. Uh, but someone can also say, hey, okay, explain to me what the problem is. And they start getting you involved in the solution, right? They say, hey... Is there anything else that, that, that is not working well? They ask more questions. They don't just act on the, the, the very short information that you gave when the, the plumber came to your house, but they can also try to expand and not try to, to oversell the service. I'm not talking about that. It's more about like, okay, so you called me. That is the, the main problem. Is there anything else that is bothering you? Is there a cause for that? And, and of maybe the, the example is too simplistic uh, that I'm using, but I think that making sure that your customer is always involved, right? So that you involve them in the conversation and also provide options. Say, look, there are many different ways of solving that. Those are the options. My recommendation would be this, but do you have any other restrictions or concerns and stuff and work with the client in order? Because at the end of the day, I see that, uh, I saw that in a lot of developers and other professionals, uh, they end up blaming the client for not appreciating 
what they were doing. And, 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 and that is always the wrong end of the stick, right? So ultimately, the, the, the person that is paying for the job needs to be happy with the job. Because if they're not happy with the job, they're going to find someone else. This is exactly what we would do as individuals. When we hire someone, it doesn't matter if the plumber thinks that he, he did a great job in my house. If I'm not happy with the work that they do, they, they did, I will put a bad review somewhere and I will yeah. never call that person again. You know, there is there's someone in the chat that's also asking, okay, but what if, you know, the, the plumber that comes to your house uh, is trying to do a good job, but you're not letting them? Yeah, so mm -hmm. there is this aspect of, you know, especially in consulting and the kind of job that we do, monetization projects, is that people didn't get there, uh, you know, out of thin air, right? Like there are certain behaviors and there are certain things that they are doing, you no, know, that are creating the the issue or the context where they are right now, and it's it's part of that professionalism, I would say, you know, or it's part of the profession to identify what those are and help people move away uh, from it, you no. Know? Uh, in the best way possible as well. Yeah. No, it's, and it's... It, and these are there are skills related to that as well, right? Because actually, all these things are constraints in the problem space. It, you know, taking the plumber's example, I know it's a very simplified example, but it, you know, you there is a problem space around, you know, the fact that you know something might be wrong in some pipe somewhere, right? And water is leaking, and you can see the water and everything, but. Um, you know, you need to go go there, and then the like, let's say that the, the uh, house owner is saying, "Oh no, you can only go to the bathroom because I think the leak is coming out of the bathroom, so you can only go to the bathroom. You can't go to the kitchen. You can't go to anything." And now there are multiple ways of reacting to that, right? So, so one is that you know there might be good reasons why I don't know he doesn't want you to go into the kitchen or into the bedroom, right? Uh, and in the same say, <laughs> in the same it's way, the bedroom, it sounds, that sounds like there might be a good reason. Exactly, <laughs> there's no plumbing exactly. in the bedroom. <laughs> so, so then, then you start, you know, as Sandro said earlier as well, you start involving the customer in terms of trying to and helping them first of all, working within respecting the constraints, right? Because there is a bit, you know, this word is is one of the key words in professionalism because you can be actually very good at your job. And you can, but if you don't have respect for your customer, your client, you are not a professional, right? So respect is a key thing. So first, when they are providing you with a constraint, you know, you must then first of all, take it as a given that there is, there are reasons behind that. Mm -hmm. And for all intents and purposes, for them, for their point of view, they are good reasons. And you need yeah. to understand those reasons. And if they are a, in a full constraint in the sense that, you are hundred. You are f sure that 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 constraint is completely getting in your way of your work. Then the onus is on you to to help the customer understand that that constraint is getting in in the way of the work and help them alleviate that, understanding their fears and the reasons behind that constraint. You know, you touch on on something. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, just just would say something very quickly, like uh, going on the the Muhammad. Uh, question is there is a very way easy way to also uh explain the dynamics here just flip the 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 table and imagine that you are the paying customer and there is a professional that you hire to solve a problem but now this professional is trying to push you a solution that you are not comfortable with 
right? So you hire, you had a problem. You decided to hire someone to do a job for you. And now this person is coming to you and say, hey, you need to do something different or do things that you are not keen on doing. And that's your house, right? So then, of course, that uh, what you would expect is you don't want to expect this guy, this person to be rude at you or say that you don't know what you're talking about. What you would expect this person is to say, okay, so uh, let me give you a few options and the pros and cons of doing all those things to you. But you still, as the owner of the house, you still should have the final saying because that person is not running your house. So you as a professional need to understand that you are not the owner of the house, right? So, but you can give them options and understand as Mesh was saying, there are constraints. Of course, that also as the, as the a service provider, you are also entitled, for example, if the, the client is asking you to do something that you as a professional feel that would not be a good thing or that would damage your reputation because that would be so wrong in doing like you are doing some electrics and you're going to that house might go on fire because of what they are asking you to do. You also as a professional can draw a line and say, look, uh, I understand your constraints. So unfortunately, I will not be able to help you with this uh, in these terms. And that's OK mm -hmm. as well. That's a, that's actually a very good point that, you know, not, not, you're achieving consistently good results to a high standards, right? Outcomes to a high standards. But those standards also mean they, they go both ways. You're doing that for the customer. But if the customer is not allowing you or is insisting for you to drop your standards below what you are comfortable with, then then also it's it's your it's a professional duty to to actually mm -hmm stop it there and again with respect decline yeah. decline that work and but the, the intention is always like where both parties are trying to work together because one yeah. part one side has a problem the other side offers a service and the goal here as a good professional you are always trying to work with your client so that you can achieve a good result but that is exactly always... exactly it's at, at the point where where you have to decline basically all else has failed right all peace talks have failed Basically. <laughs> you know, you, you touch on, on two topics that I think are key um, for being a good professional. One is respect. And there's nothing worse than, you know, I'm, I'm telling you about the issue that I have, you know, and then you're assuming, 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 you know, like w when you can feel that you're being typified. No, this is the kind of client that, boom, no, and then I'm going to. I'm going to tell you you don't know anything. I, I'm going to tell you how things should be solved. And we've just been talking for 10 minutes, right? Like you don't really know anything about my business or anything about, you know, what we do or whatever, right? And to to some extent, that is respect as well, no? Uh, it, it, you need to understand first the context and you need to, to really get to the bottom of things before you can even start influencing or, or, or uh, proposing anything. And then the other uh, aspect is uh, that you also mentioned here is trust. Yeah. So building that trust in order to, okay, so I don't want you to go into the kitchen or I don't want you to do this or I don't want you to do that, but there are certain constraints. I need to gain your trust in order for you to explain uh, to me what the reasoning behind that, because yes, there is a logical reason, but some of the time you know, I just don't feel comfortable telling you either. Right. Um, and and once you have those things and those are key parts of a profession and you see this with doctors, you see this with, you know, good consultants, etc. It's like you need to be able to build that bridge where then the communication can happen 
and then you can get to the bottom and then you can understanding the situation then you can uh, assess and propose something otherwise it's just you know you're trying to sell me something and you're probably going to do more harm because you don't understand fully what it is that that we're trying to accomplish here you know before you start proposing you know go to microservices or go to <laughs> like you don't know you don't know no and and again it's it's tricky but it is the first step no that putting that respect and that trust in place i wonder if there are like other uh for example maybe you could uh, say a few other smaller things that we could recognize maybe as traits of a professional or uh when certain behaviors that we would not consider professional but like something a little bit more uh quicker for i'll give you an example uh for example fulfill promises right so let's say if you said that you would do something uh in a you go you go into a meeting or in a class like hey I, i'm gonna take this action i'm gonna do that right so again if you said that you would do that you need to do it uh, and if you cannot do it for whatever reason that feedback needs to come back very quickly right so this is another trait for me that like bringing more to kind of our reality uh moving away from the, the other metaphor uh is something very important that if someone says that they're going to do something and they don't do and that happens once twice three times that image of a professional that i have from that person might start getting uh, diminished, eroded. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. are there any other uh, quick ones like that that you could mention? Um, Loads, I'm right? Got, <laughs> got, we, I mean, we can go into each one of those really uh, a lot in detail, but I've got another one. It's about actually recently I had this conversation about transparency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, a lot of people say, say that, you know, it's, it's professional to be transparent and it is, right? It's, it's, it's actually, but there is a big but in there, right? It, you as a professional, if you're um, if you ha you're working on something, right? Or for example, the example I if taking our own kind of professions example, right? Uh, you're in a team, and there are uh, there are some dysfunctions in the team, and you're trying to solve them and so on. Uh, and you know that this. At, at the very least now is not jeopardizing any of the outcomes, but you, you really need to work on those. Do you tell the client that your team is having lots of dysfunctions and that you're working on them and solving them, but they are having? Or do you actually, well, first of all, see, well, what can I solve without actually worrying the client? And what, where, at what point do I then need to provide some... Um, transparency around what's going on, but also on how we are fixing it, right? So this, like a lot of people see transparency as like, oh, there's a lot of shit going on in the team and I'm just going to offload that onto the client and say, you know what, well, all this is happening and say, you know what, well, is this going to cause a problem? I don't know. Not, I, you know, it may, it may not. So, yeah. so you kind of transfer all this anxiety onto the client. This is a in the name of transparency. That's, that's a very good. That, that's a very good point. Go. So, so I, I wanted to before when you said, oh, there are certain behaviors or certain principles that we can associate with being a professional and so on. I have a confluence page. Yeah, it is principles of a client relationships uh, or something like. I don't remember the title that I that I gave this thing, but the client doesn't care about your internal stuff is one of those. 
So basically, that whole thing of oh, we're having all of these issues, and then uh, and then, okay, I, that's that's all fine. Hey, and me as a client, I I can empathize with you and all of that. But I asked you to do a job, and this is the job, so you need to deal with it. Don't transfer that responsibility to me. Okay? Don't transfer your own problems to me. Exactly, right? you you have problems. That's great. I also have problems. This is why I hire you. <laughs> right? So, so to some extent, it's it's a lot about um, you know understanding that you know I'm I'm taking into the thing. They don't care about it. Of course, people understand and and all those things. And you can with conversation and and. Uh, you know, you can get to to a, a good point as well, right? But the reality is, you know, if I hire you to do a delivery, you know, I need a delivery. And unless, you know, there is a very reasonable argument to that, and it's not justifications, which are very different, yeah, uh, then, you know, what's happening? Why don't I have what I paid for, right? Yeah. Or why don't I? And that is something that people miss the point a lot of the time on right like they uh for instance quality is one of those things like we see this all the time people who come from the craftsmanship movement and they think no quality is the the only important thing well it, the the fact that you have the tools to work on quality and the fact that you have all of these uh, uh practices in order to get better software out guess what is so it's so that you can get somewhere out. <laughs> if you're not fulfilling that, then it doesn't matter what practices you're you're using because you're still not accomplishing the goal, no, or the the consistent results that that we were talking about. No? Yeah, I've, I've got I've got another one, quick one, by the way, which is very closely related to the first one and maybe to this one as well, right? It's again, it's about the right kind of transparency, right? It's the other side of the thing because. It's fine having all these problems and not telling the, the customer. And it's and also totally agree that, you know, you've said to the customer, we're going to get this delivered and not delivering it uh, means that that trust is going to erode and doing it over and over again is going to erode more and more, right? The other side of this is, is that knowing that that deadline is not going to be met and keeping it. Yeah. And and leaving it to the last moment when when nothing else can be done about it right and this goes on both both aspects right so so you know taking the view of like okay we said we committed to something we said we're going to get this done right software development is complex and often we get it wrong they you know what we we estimate even estimating at a daily level we we can get it wrong right but as soon as we know not only is our professional responsibility to tell the customer if they are relying on something to be delivered, and as soon as you know that it's not going to be delivered, regardless of what we do, what you do, it's it's about communicating to the to the customer that it, it's not going to be delivered, and these are the reasons that we thought it would be, and now it's not, and this is what we are going to do to hopefully not make the same mistake again, right? And this is again, this is kind of the real transparency, and I think and it goes. It goes with the uh, with the uh, other thing that we were talking about, Jose, as well, is that, you know, that if there are dysfunctions and in some way they are going to impact the client, yeah, and, and then, are... then you do come. Oh, sorry, go on. sorry, sorry, go for it. So, no, and, and there are lots of techniques for that, some of them extremely well known to deal with that. Because, like, in, in my view, every time that there is a, 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 a mismatch in expectation or a, a failure in communication, we should own it, right? So 
I'll talk about extreme ownership because you know that I love that topic anyway. I need to throw that in <laughs> yeah. in every single episode. You have to bring right? it in and then talk exactly. about it. Like every, episode, gonna, <laughs> every conversation. Every conversation, <laughs> extreme ownership, right? But, uh, uh, but before I go there, uh, so uh, Emmanuel even wrote the, the, in one of the comments here, like, for example, he mentioned short feedback loops. There are ways to cope with that transparency and, and, and manage expectation. And even avoid difficult conversations, uh, well, minimize difficult conversations at least. So in, in, a, in a good way for that is exactly having those very short feedbacks and constantly give information. And, and I always like I say that if a client asks, needs to ask you where you are with something, you are already in the wrong. Right. So they can ask you because they were lazy not to look at the place that you provided to them. And that's OK. But then you can say, hey, this is what I am. This is the thing that I've been sharing yeah, what, with what's you. What's not OK is them guessing. No, it's like exactly. oh, if, if they have to guess or they, if they have to ask what is happening, then that's not that's exactly. Not okay. So 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 you need to as a professional, in my view, uh, talking about those those deadlines and how much information you give you. Because at the beginning, let's say you are in a project and you have like a, a commitment for the next three months or whatever, right? Whatever the deadline is. The deadline is never for tomorrow. If you're starting from now, very rarely you say like you have a deadline tomorrow. So, so then you can work providing those short feedback loops, transparency all the way and say, look, those things here are more, a bit more certain. Those things are very uncertain. And those things in here will depend on a lot of things. Here are my assumptions for this to work. And you can make your certainties and uncertainties very visible and, uh, and available to your client and keep iterating that and giving those uh, information and refining that conversation because then you avoid a very difficult conversation where Mesh said like mainly at the point where no one else can do anything about it anymore because now it's screwed. You miss a deadline, there's no way to fix that anymore, right? So, uh, but there are techniques both in terms of how you manage the project and also how you speak to people, how you, know, you it's, communicate. It's software developing because you're talking about uh, consultancy and software, like our uh, profession, no? Um, and there are techniques, we both agree on it, but this is not documented anywhere. Like there is no, like I still haven't seen a good book on consultancy a, or, or software consultancy for, for this matter that you can go and these are the basics that you need to know. And, and this is what happens. Like we find a lot of people that join the profession. They've been maybe doing software for a very long time already, product companies and so that. And when they go into consultancy, they struggle. Yeah. They, they struggle because they don't have this, uh, this skill set to be able to deal with these things, which are kind of like basic, you know, uh, Yes, you have to write code. That's the first thing you <laughs> you learn, right? But uh, but around that, there is a lot of uh, again things related to communication and dealing with the client and and all of the things that people are never thought about, no? And they they struggle with it. Yeah, I, I would go on, go on, then I'll I'll cha change it to another one. <laughs> okay, so before you go, so because of course I need to bring that back to the extreme ownership that I want to talk about. Right. So, and I'll tell you in which context this is, right? So, a good professional doesn't complain, and now and now I'll expand on that because there is a difference between complaining and solving problems. 
a good professional doesn't complain. Because complaining doesn't do any good. Complaining is, means I'm pissed off, I'm annoyed, I'm going to dump on you my frustration and go home. That's what a complaint does. You just complain and you vent stuff, but you, as at that moment you are not seeking to, uh, uh, to resolve, to the, resolve the situation. Yeah, you're, exactly. you're just venting out and letting exactly. letting steam off, but you're not. You're you may actually be contributing to the problem even more. You make it right? worse. Instead of making it worse instead of fixing. Exactly. Yeah. What what very few people uh, understand is that they feel the need to vent, and they feel that they should have a space to vent. But that's also a very selfish uh, position because what they do is, great, they took stuff out of their chest at the expense of making everyone else miserable, at transferring uh, their frustration to someone else so that they can now sleep. And everyone now needs to deal with that complaint. Everyone now, the morale was lowered because of that complaint. A good professional for me is someone that say, look, guys, this is not working so well. I have a lot of concerns. I don't think that this is going well. I think that we have this problem, that problem. I would like to talk about that. I have a few solutions. I have a few proposals. And there are things that I don't have proposals. I, I, I can only say that I, I'm not feeling okay with this. But I would like to discuss. Maybe you can help me uh, to, 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 to improve this. Uh, and that's okay. But then a good professional is always trying to resolve problems but never complain. So that, that's 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 the extreme ownership that I was talking about is more about. No, that. that's, it's, it's but that's like, a good that's a good behavior. And I see this like I've seen this like, uh, you know, team leads who, uh, you know, bent uh, about the client with their team. And, and I'm being quick to call them out on this. It's like, listen, what what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? Like you're maybe you're feeling better because you're letting out some, you know, Steam. <laughs> some steam no uh but what you're doing is you're creating this culture in your team of complaining about the project about the the, the client about the the whole situation so how do you think that's going to help you get this done no that's not that's not how this work and yeah. uh, and i agree it's a, it's a very selfish thing like you will feel better if you rant and you some, know, some people some people some people kind of mistake the complaining as kind of making other people aware of the problem but i think what the key difference here is when when a complaint becomes a complaint is that you are you're not just stating the facts but you're adding your emotions to it and also more importantly you are not providing alternatives and your own you're on the problem or space. thinking on how to fix it on the on the problem space not on the solution, solution space, space. It, it's not like hey this is what is happening it's inconvenient for, because of this 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 and this you know let's try to do something about that i thought about you know maybe doing this or trying this out or like what do you think let's get involved and let's like you're when you stay a lot of time in the problem space and you go over it and over it and over it. And you know what? This is this is the thing with with this kind of emotional stuff. You get addicted to it. Your, your brain likes those chemicals of complaining. It's really easy to just bent out and it's cathartic, do it again. Isn't it? Exactly, it's exactly, exactly. It's like it it, it after that yeah. you 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 feel great. 
Yeah. No, yeah. Or, or we we like it's it's not even about feeling great. Actually, you may not feel great. It's like one of those things where that it creates a bit for social kudos because I'm complaining, that person is complaining with me. Exactly. And we and we creates, have nothing. We have something to to, bond to talk now. about. Uh, we have something <laughs> to talk about. We agree on something, and and therefore we are friends. But what what you are is friends in misery, basically. You know, you're not fixing it. It's not constructive. So so yes, of course, state the problems. Also state the options towards solutions. Also try to be positive towards how to fix those problems or what you can do to be able to fix those problems. Yeah, and, and, and one uh, pattern that we see uh, is that a person that is always used to complain, they are pushing the responsibility to someone else. And this is why I said that is related to extreme ownership. Is say, hey, uh, they will vent in the expectation that someone else will try to come and solve the problem. And this is a person that will never be happy anywhere because they rely on their environment. Uh, they need they need the right environment for them to feel okay, but they don't have the strength or the skills or the willpower to change the environment according to what they see that should be changed. Right, and, so, and a good professional would be able to do that. There, there's a couple of interesting, interesting points. Emmanuel said, "If there is a book like that one that Jose mentions, tell me, Jose, and uh, take my money." Jose mentions that book <laughs> for a very good reason. There are consultancy books; they're just not good. But the one Jose is writing right now is good. <laughs> I, I, I just left the hook for Jose to say that, but like, okay. So as it's spelled out, man. So now we put a lot of pressure on Jose. I didn't. I didn't want him to be too. Hey, own listen. Drum. I'm like George R. R. Martin. You know, it's like it, it's done when it's done. <laughs> I just have well, so it's not. It's so gonna take basically, time. before the book is out, so, there'll be so there'll the, be a, so, there'll be a movie yeah. about it and then yeah. you won't, you <laughs> exactly. or would it be, be out before the winds of winter moving on to another uh, thing like yeah. another another point that I, I feel is a trademark of good professional is also not wasting the client's time and and I think I see this um, as a major thing especially with people who are you know in agile delivery role agile um Yeah, agile delivery managers and th this kind of stuff. Like, if you are meeting with the client, is because you are adding some value. There is something that needs to happen there, and that needs to be focused. That needs to be clear. And for me, that's the hallmark of a very good professional as well. Like when you go to a meeting that was supposed to be, you know, half an hour, and you finish in 15 minutes. That's it. Perfect. Great. You know see you on the next one right and, and i wish every meeting was like this one right so so that's uh, another important aspect that i see people you know they they ask they, they they don't realize that they are wasting time uh both from the point of view of you know getting problems that are not problems or they could have handled themselves to the client and this kind of stuff so what what do you think about that I, I think there is a wider, uh, again, it's one of the disciplines that we, we look at in um, uh, as part of uh, evaluation and promotion the and so on. Effectiveness, uh, exactly. Yeah. Like this is an example of being effective. How to have a, a good effective meeting, right? You know exactly what the outcome you, you need to achieve and you you have that meeting specifically for, the, for that outcome. And if you achieve that outcome in five minutes into the meeting, then that's it. The meeting is done, right? And Meetings only last to the to the scheduled time. Uh, you know, if 
it's it's amazing, isn't it? That like you you have an hour meeting and it's always lasts an hour, right? Why does it always last exactly the time you predicted? Are you really good at estimating meetings? We're all very good at it, the, the fact is that they're not effective, right? And effectiveness is 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 a, a key part of being professional and it's not just about meetings it's, it's about everything everything that you do it's about even the you know your coding skills uh, how you get a particular feature out how you make it live all these kind of things it's all and you you know even thinking about the you know the kind of creating flow in the value stream is actually about being it's about being effective right so effectiveness is actually a very important aspect in in being a professional yeah i would like to add uh pragmatism now uh there is another word that we use a lot in the craftsmanship world and also within students, right and but pragmatism is a word that is always uh well misunderstood or sometimes used uh to to be a, an excuse for cutting corners right so a lot of people say oh we need to be pragmatic that means we need to cut some corners here right and but I think that a good professional needs to be pragmatic. And what does it mean to be pragmatic? I think that uh, this is something we discussed a lot internally. Pragmatic means you have all these skills to do a good job. You as a professional, as a good professional, you know what a good job should look like, what would be the best solution would look like, or at least the, the, a good way to, to, to move forward. However, we have constraints. The client has constraints. The project has constraints. And those constraints can be time, can be money, can be skills, can be many things, right? Mm -hmm. So the, a, a good professional is the ones that in, would never push. Like, I will want to do this kind of job. This is how I want to work, disregarding what the client really needs or the, those constraints. That goes back to the beginning of the conversation that we were talking about with the plumber example. The, but, but a pragmatist means like, what are the real constraints in here, right? So I know what could be done well if I had no constraints. That means even not having time constraints or money constraints. But given the constraints, so first of all, a good professional would really understand what are the real constraints and what, and what are the <laughs> constraints that are not so real and help the client to understand that as well. Because some of the constraints sometimes uh, mentioned by the client. Uh, and by the client here, we are talking client because we are consulting, but that could be your employer, could be your manager, could be if you are in a product company, right? It, it's whoever is paying your salary, basically. Uh, so I'm talking client in that sense. Mm -hmm. But it, it's, first of all, it's understanding helping them to understand and yourself to understand what are the real constraints. So first of all, we have that curious mind. Okay, before we start talking about the solution, let's understand the scope. And the scope is not only about what needs to be done, it's also the constraints that we have, what cannot be done, or what are the, the things that we need to worry about. It's so before you even decide to, this is what we should do, let's ask questions. Let's, let's extend, understand the, the, the full scope and environment, constraints. And at that point is pragmatism, that where pragmatism comes from. So, okay, now that I understand the constraints that I'm under, what is the best job that I can do within those constraints? And that, for me, is pragmatism, mm -hmm. right? The best it's, job that it, can be done within constra real constraints. It, it actually, Emmanuel asks this good, good question um, around this is um, for a software craftsman, um, 
why it's an important value for us for a craftsman because it allows you to know which tool you should use in each case and why. It's not mm -hmm. only about the tool actually because pragmatism is is an important thing. Uh, I a while ago I talked about there are certain aspects of um, let's say the craft that involves obsession, right? That involves really trying to 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 really go for excellence and excellence is part of being professional, but actually following it to uh, following it blindly can, can lead to uh, bad outcomes can lead to you not achieving the result for the customer or finding the right balance basically. And that's why pragmatism goes with this pursuit of excellence because pursuit of excellence is I'm going to do the best job as I can and pragmatism balances that, right? So without the pursuit of excellence, pragmatism basically is cutting corners. And without pragmatism, pursuit of excellence is actually being obsessed in the job itself and not the outcome, right? Yeah. So so they, they are two balancing forces that have to go along with each other. And that's why they're important. That, that's, that's a good point. So I would like to move a, a bit, like uh, there is a topic that I think that is relevant in here is that we, we, we are in on both sides of the equation. We are on a side where we are hired to do a job and we are also on this, the side that we hire people to do a job, right? So we, we can see both, right? Um, I would like to talk about certain behaviors that may uh, help you to grow in your career or progress in your career or also hinder uh, your career progression. I'll, I'll start with an example. Uh, Jose, you mentioned uh, people that expose their problems. For example, you are hired to do a job, but then every day you have a problem. Oh, because like I need to take my kids to school or because the, my, my cat died or something else happened and then something else happened. And every day uh, there is an excuse. And they might be very valid points. Like no one is questioning that, right? Mm -hmm. So you have all those problems. Those things happen to you. And that's okay. However, someone is paying for you to do the job. And as I always say, in those conversations, it's always easy for any person to put themselves in the, in the place of the person providing the service. But in order to illustrate the point, always put yourself in the position of whoever is paying for the service, not for the one. Imagine you hiring someone, hiring the plumber, the, the builder, the dentist, the hairdresser, the all the, the lawyer, the, the solicitor, everyone that you normally pay services for. So you have your problems. So uh, there are certain behaviors like you need to deal with it, right? You need to sort your shit out because if you cannot perform well consistently, you can, if you cannot be dependable, this will hinder your career progression. No one will give you a position of authority. No one will say, hey, there is a brand new project. We need a strong leader in there. We need someone to start this new initiative. No one will take someone that is not dependable to run an initiative. So you will have far less chances to progress in your career if you are never there, if you are not, if you always have a personal issue. So, and it's okay to have personal issues, but from the point of view of whoever is hiring, they cannot rely on you. And you need to get your shit together because otherwise you'll never move beyond where you are. 
So well, that's that, one of the that, examples that, of okay, so that, that's, a, that's a good career. point. That, that's a good point because um, I wouldn't say it's about personal issues uh, as it is about priorities. And it is okay to have different priorities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it changes with your life, no, where you are in your life, et cetera, et cetera. You get family, you get like, there, there's all of these things, no, that kind of pull you in one direction or, an, or another or responsibilities that uh, let's say you, you just don't want to take anymore no, or, or whatever right? and that's fine as long as you are truthful about it yeah so because I don't see a problem like if someone wants to spend time with the family and they want to listen that, that's great that's like that's you know let me help for the you next two years that. now that exactly. I have a newborn I will well, slow down Yeah, no, that's fine. Pay attention exactly. To my that is, that is okay. perfectly fine. That is perfectly fine. What you cannot ask me to do then is to give you responsibilities that I know because you're in that mode, you're not going to be able to, to... I think, and this goes back to part of being professional, actually. It's, uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's fine. You know, everybody has problems and everyone has ebbs and flaws in their life. Sometimes they can, they can put a lot of energy in their work And sometimes all other aspects of life mean that you don't have enough energy to do certain things, right? But then being professional is to understand your limitations, understand your constraints, and design your work, your environment around you. So don't ask for a team leadership job because, you know, you, you got lots, lots of stuff going on at home and you need to do all this. And you know that that team leadership job is a difficult project. It'll need a lot of work. Don't then just go for that position because you, you yourself understand what you can give to that role. And if you think that that role calls for more than what you can give, then it is being professional to, to say, okay, you know what? I need help there or I can't do that one. Or, you know, I need to kind of step back a little and let someone else do that yeah, because that, I don't have the the exactly, the, and it goes back to when pay rises and stuff. No, right? when so when you, you were saying, yeah, when when you were saying, you know, sometimes you need to say no to a client or you need to sell. You know, th th this is a line. It's with the client and it's with yourself as well. As much as I would like to take this on and do it, I'm not going to be able to do a good job on it. So I I need to step back. I need to be truthful about that, and also mentally, I need to adapt to that as well no yeah. it's like i'm not no longer in that you know upward trend or whatever like i'm now it's about maintaining it's about and then when i have more time when i that that's fine as well and again yeah. it's not a matter of uh again it's a matter for me of priorities and your priorities will change it's it's important to to make peace with that as well yeah. no? and and, and to deal with it yeah, yeah. It's, exactly and it's important that you understand that uh your behavior will impact your career progression. Certain mm -hmm. behaviors will make you be more trusted and you will accelerate your progression. You get more important roles. You get like higher pay rises and stuff. Other behaviors will hinder your career progression. You have less opportunities to do certain roles and will probably have a much lower uh, salary progression as well. And, and, and you need to understand where you are. And that's okay. Like you're, you, at the end of the day, no one in this conversation here is to say, hey, you know what? Sacrifice everything else in your life and just focus on your job. No, that's not what we are saying here. 
right? You should understand what your real priorities are, but also as you define your priorities and you adjust your behaviors accordingly, there are side effects, yeah. right? Yeah. So it can have your cake and eat it. <laughs> exactly. So also like if you put effort too much on sometimes in your career and stuff, there will be sacrifices. All the things will, will suffer. Yeah. All the exactly. Will suffer. Uh, and, and this is, yeah. Sorry, we don't we don't have a lot of time, but there's one other important thing that I want to bring, and I, there might be others as well, is about being professional. Huh? You have one I, more. I have one more. Yeah, I've had this for a while, so I'm gonna go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's about it's about subjecting your customer, your client, your stakeholders to undue risk, and as software developers, we do that a lot, right? It's like you know that old thing. Oh, you know what? I want to use Kubernetes. I, I've just read a couple of articles about it and uh, and I'm going to put Kubernetes in there <laughs> and then learn on the job and create a great big mess. But you know what? That's okay. And actually, even worse, we don't even think that next step that it will we may create a great big mess because we don't know what we are doing. We just want to do it, right? And this is just an example. But... Putting your your customer, your stakeholders at undue risk and not even understanding what risks you are putting in them, forget about mitigating those risks and communicating those risks. It's it's very unprofessional. And it's a thing that I see a lot. I, I can agree. I can agree more with that. And I think <laughs> this is another thing that should be kind of taught, no, and like Oh, what are we gonna, no? Let's let's introduce a new framework. Yeah. Why? Uh, it's it's the latest thing. That's that's what you know. Fashion, no, the the or the how do you call it, Sandro? The curriculum driven development. Uh, no? Yes, exactly. CV driven <laughs> development. Yeah. yeah, CV driven development. Right. So it's 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 like that. No, like you don't you basically you're being very selfish like this is what i want to learn i i'm gonna create the space in my work to be able to do it uh oh. at the expense of getting this is, this is a good point jose sorry to interrupt you had a few other another point that you wanted to make before i think it's in. the same one that you're gonna bring up right now uh, was it about <laughs> learning at the job exactly ex okay no, it, it's not so much learning on the job i think you need to to no, be a good professional you need to have a uh, a commitment to improvement and to better your skill basically for life no like yeah. you need to know that you need to continue improving in what you're doing, that there will always be something more that you can do. And there will always be, you know, you always need but to this learn. This is the pursuit of excellence, right? Exactly. Exactly. So excellence. that needs that, that for me is essential if you are to be a good professional. Yeah. So I, I guess it's related, no, but <laughs> it is related. Uh, it's maybe a bit too late to, to introduce a potentially big topic, uh, but like I'll mention anyway, we can decide to cut that. Uh, that's because that's my trademark. Man. I know exactly. Wait until the last minute to like throw it in. <laughs> what I would say is, is related to that. That's why I'm bringing it's not a, a new thing. So is for example, this pursuit of excellence is a personal thing. Is you as a professional saying, hey, I want to get better as a professional. And, and each person will have their own criteria, right? So the definition of a good professional or the, with skills to master, let's say, is different from people to people. 
And that pursuit of mastery in different skills is a personal choice and it needs to be a personal investment. It's your career, it's your time and stuff. But some people feel, oh, the company should offer me training. The company should buy me a book. The conference should pay for my conferences and stuff like that. And this is, I, I wrote about that a lot. In, in, like, and this was discussed a billion times in, in the, the craftsmanship uh, meetups and, and things like that. So there is a difference between you as a professional, if you want to be good, do that at your own time. That's what pro good professionals do. They get better at what they do and then they progress because they offer a better service and they will have normally a, a, a faster progression in their career because that investment normally has a good return if you invest on the right things, right? So, but if you are waiting the company to provide you knowledge, that for me, uh, I think that companies need to do that. I think that is a good initiative from companies to do that, but it's still a business proposition, right? So the companies are investing on people according to the skills that the company needs. And that's great. And the companies need to do that. It's good for the companies, good for the professionals working there. But if you as a professional are limited by what the company wants to offer you, you yeah. You will always be limited by what the company offers you. So you will be the, the professional that the company is trying to make you. But if you want to go broader, you cannot tell the company, hey, pay me to, to learn something that you don't need. Right? So this is for me, a, a professional would invest on their own skills and their own career. And, and, and in, like I wrote a lot about that. It's like, this is what we call the career ownership. You should own your career. It, it, I think there, there, is a there is a slight addendum to this as well, right? Is that a company should not only provide um, room for this. Of course, it needs to provide room for, for to train people in the skills that it needs. Mm -hmm. But there is an element of innovation as well, right? So this is something, for example, we do that, you know, we provide a, a our budget. We drive how our people are trained and this again this is back to this kind of academy at all levels and all those kind of that things. that we discussed in the previous yeah. episode like those pers the company's perspective right exactly. now we are giving the professionals perspective right? and but so... the addendum from a company's perspective is also that there is company does need to create room for innovation create room for people to learn things that may be related to the work where where the company hasn't considered yet right so this is that example of right you know for example as a company we have a lot of people who do you know uh, kind of work on .NET, c sharp java all those different stacks and languages within it we don't have a lot of people doing rust but you provide that um, space for people who want to do it because and that, that is driven by them but the company also supports it right so this there is there is a nuance in there about the company perspective, individual perspective, and there is kind of a fuzzy bit in the middle that both the company should understand and help the individuals to kind of learn so that this kind of innovation can happen that could drive the company forward. Yeah, but, but like the only thing I want to make, make clear is like, uh, we, we discussed a lot in the previous episode about creating an internal academy and the rationale behind that, the advantages that companies have in, in investing on their own people. And I think that that's a smart thing to do. We are doing that. Otherwise, we would not do that if we didn't think that it was a good idea as a company. 
but I want to purely talk about from the professional side. As a professional, you should not, this for me, as I wrote very a lot, as I said, like, and I still think the same way, like uh, every time that the company is giving me knowledge, for me is a bonus. I'm thankful, I say, yeah, that's great and stuff, but like, but thank you, I'm enjoying it and I will take advantage of it for sure, but I will not stop there. As a professional, as someone that wants to get better, uh, for example, we, I would not be in this meeting here and sitting in this chair if I was just waiting for the companies that I worked for in the past to give me the knowledge that I have today, right? So, and I think that like as a professional, you need, if you want to invest in your career and go beyond, you need to put effort. You cannot rely on an external source to provide you that information. You need to do something about it. That, that's the point that I was trying to make. Yeah, and... yeah for, for sure. And in this, and again, it doesn't. The another thing that I find is that to be a good professional, you need to be. Let's call it open, no, to to new things as well. That that's part of that learning. You know, you you master something that's great. It will get the job done. That's great. But there are all the things that are new, and you should also explore those. Like you can stay with what you know just because it's easy and yeah. and that's another thing that i feel it's people miss out on yeah. a lot right the hey you know there's something else maybe it's not great maybe it's not but it's starting you know that like you need to you need to still keep that um no the the student mindset no the the empty beginner's, the cup beginner's and, mind. Empty, uh, beginner's mind no mm -hmm. empty the cup no and mm -hmm. and be able to Let's see, what is this about? Whatever, right? Uh, and we were talking about this the other day, like, you know, having developed software for a very long time, 90s, etc., with all the drag and drop, you know, when when things were all about drag and dropping controllers and double clicking and, right? And, and also, you know, UML diagrams and everything, will, you know, the code will write itself, no? And, and all of these things. Now you get to, to today with a bunch of no-code tools, right? And things like this. And, you know, you, <laughs> I'm poking you, Zandro, right? But, you know, it's, we're it's, using, too late. it's too late to start this discussion. Again, I, right? I have topics for, for the <laughs> I mean, last we should, we should write that topic exactly. down, right? No-code. No but basically, yeah. but, but, but you know what I mean, right? Like it is, they, they are useful in a context. They are and understanding the context and understanding where those things fit is part of being a good professional as well. So you should keep your mind open and not just, you know, yeah. dismiss things just because you think there's something else that will work because you don't, the, the reality is you don't know it well enough to be able to assess it and, and to be able to use it. And, and it's about introducing tools into your tool bed so that you can make those trade-offs that we were talking about in, in pragmatism, no, uh, when we were talking about yeah. that. So, yeah. so yeah. It's cool, a very guys, good let, let's, No, sorry, go, sorry Nash, go on. I just want to say that it's, it's such a good point because looking at, especially going into large organizations where people have been there for, for a long time and stagnated, and not only they they they've taken they are behind the curve in terms of ways of working and technology and so on. They they've ended up in senior positions because they have been there for so long, and they're holding others back as well. 
right? And this is something you see often in particularly large organizations, right? People being held back because someone is very much happy in the, their, their little world and they don't want the world to change and they're doing everything not to change it. Yeah, and on the other hand, as Mohammed was saying here, there is the fashion-driven development as well. People trying to change everything all the time just because yeah, of the new yeah, fashion. Yeah, that's the other right? side of the so, coin, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, okay, let's let's wrap up. So we were talking about the minimum viable professional. So in order to wrap up, uh, the guys, do you have like something like, for example, if you had to summarize like a few behaviors, maybe that you would. Uh, I know that. We, we cover a lot of ground. We, exactly. We another, another hour, I'll summarize. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you just take a few key points, like for example, and just summarize a, my, a minimum viable professional, what would they be? I'll, I'll start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't keep people, uh, you know, guessing, right? So whatever it is that is happening, communicate, be transparent without going into, oh, I have all these problems or all these things done, like, hey, listen, we have this issue. This is how we're going to solve it. This is what we're going to try. If this doesn't work, this other thing is going to, you know, like really show that even though you don't know um, the thing or what's happening, that you have a plan on how to get to the solution or how to get to the position. Another point would be then, again, we, we already, made, I'm just summarizing, but yeah. understand the context before you even start proposing anything right build the trust and work from a position of respect and understanding of of the context and the client and, and so on yeah and uh, overall you know keep learning don't close yourself to new things and to improving yourself because there's always room for that it's the the mountain without a peak right um and we're all climbing it so that would be my summary. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Very That's cool. Very good. Uh, Mesh. Um, there's yeah. There's, I mean, there's not a lot to add to that. I will go back to my original definition, actually, which is that you know, uh, professionalism is about consistently achieving good, great outcome, right? It's about how you do it. So it's not just about what outcomes you get because that's the first thing but it's also about how you get to those outcomes so that is about the processes you adopt the way you work the you the way you communicate with the client the way you communicate with your team your stakeholders all those things the way you take ownership all that kind of thing is is in it and then lastly it's about your attitude to the work the way you learn you know the way you look what you learn on the job and what you don't learn on the job and what kind of risks you put the clients or your stakeholders to and what you, what you don't. You know, all these things and how you, you see and how you identify yourself as that professional is also key. So that all to me is, and I, I think a lot of stuff that what we talked about is, is kind of encompassed within that, right? Yeah, very good, very good. It's always difficult to add more things to what you both just did, but like, yeah. So the one that goes last is the one that has the. Right. So yeah, <laughs> I had a little bit more time as you were speaking to think about it, right? So, but you already covered. So uh, I think that one thing is like if you always focus on the light in your clients and the people that you work with, not only your end client but everyone, the people that you are working with as well. Because in order to achieve that, 
to delight your, your people, you need to be very good at what you do. You need to communicate well. You need to understand their needs and, and try to satisfy their needs. You need to keep them uh, in the loop. So, so there is a lot that you need to do just to make sure that people are satisfied with the work that you do. Uh, if, you, if that becomes the goal, you will discover a lot of other behaviors that you need to have in order to achieve that. Uh, also, own it, right? So the extreme ownership, like, never complain. Like, it is, if something is not going according to plan, first thing that should come to your mind, it's your fault. What can you do to change it? What can you do to, to, to make it happen? So everything is your fault. Everything, like, what well, can I, I do about it? Not, I, not everything change, is your fault. Okay. I, I would change the, the word fault. <laughs> not everything is your fault. It is your like, responsibility, responsibility or you have it. Everything is your yes. responsibility. So if things are not going well, the first thing is, what can I do about it? Right? So what part am I playing on this? Uh, be very good at what you do. Chase mastery, right? Chase, choose a few disciplines and be good at what you do. Because you can, you can do all this good stuff, keep everyone happy and stuff. But if you suck at what you do, you will not have the outcome anyway, right? So you need to be good at what you do. And, and incorporate your profession to your personal life. Like don't create that uh, division of two lives and th that you are always in conflict. If you are reading a technical book or watching a technical talk like this one, you are worried because you're not doing something in your personal life or vice versa, right? So try to incorporate and bring everything in harmony. So that, those are the things that I would say. Okay, excellent. So I would like to thank everyone that is uh, live with us here and you added a lot of comments. So thank you for enriching our conversation because we could take some of your comments and incorporate to our discussion. So thank you very much uh, to, to all of you that were there. And, and once again, if you like those conversations, uh, hit the like button, subscribe to our channel. So then you might be surprised. You might be live, as I said, uh, uh, with very short notice. And I hope to see you next time. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.